Hey, welcome back to the Free the Sour Stoke podcast. It is two in the morning. Just got back from watching uh, UFC 249. Watched the very first prelim fight and watched all the way through to the main event fight. And what a fight card. Just what a fight card. There was so much that happened even before the prelims, let alone the main card. There was just so much to digest. It's been a very long time since I watched fights. There was some time that had passed actually before I'd really, you know, once in a while I'd watch some fights while like quarantine's been going on, but I had really taken the time lately to, um, to not watch fights. It just kind of became a thing because I noticed there was some time that had passed and I'm getting closer to the fight card. I'm like, you know what, what makes something more enjoyable is when you have a lack of it. And I thought, let me add into this. This card's already exciting. Haven't watched a live fight card in a while. Um, I haven't experienced this in some time, so let me add it to the next level. Um, let me not watch fights for a while. And, uh, I think it added to it certainly. And this card delivered, um, and, uh, you know, a lot of my picks were very, very wrong and that's okay. You know what? Um, the fun thing about picks, you don't have to be right. You can just look at the statistics, look at what you think is going to happen and just roll with it. And, uh, that being said, I think I got one fight exactly correct we'll get to that though but uh let's start off with the very first fight ryan span versus um smiling sam alvey smiling sam alvey did pretty pretty good i don't feel like i gave uh, enough due diligence here i was kind of worried that it was going to be a pretty early decision or early um victory for ryan span but it ended up being very very competitive and um it actually he did win the fight but it came by split decision so it was i was way off you know that was it's a different kind of fight than I expected. So respect the smiling Sam Alvey, though. He put up a great fight, and I was I was happy with it, you know? Very competitive. Um, the next one, Bryce Mitchell. Um, man, Bryce Mitchell, he was the next fight in the early prelims and everything. Um, he, he just dominated. I mean, this was like, you know, this isn't lightweight, so it's not quite fair to compare it to Habib but I mean like the only thing I can compare it to with the domination with the way he just dominated his opponent it was like Habib if you've ever seen Habib fight Habib is just amazing at just taking his opponents down and just manipulating them against their will and they're just you see them just laying there and they're like what am I even doing they can barely survive and Bryce Mitchell he won every round by like 10-8 rounds it was just not even competitive it's ridiculous um you know, his opponent had did his best to kind of survive, but it was just, there's not much you can do at that point. Bryce Mitchell attempted multiple twister attempts, which, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, is a very rare submission, and he's one of two people to ever do it in the UFC. Um, I should just fact check myself really quick. I made an embarrassing mistake in the last podcast. There was, a few, there was a few errors here and there, but one of the biggest ones, I said that Dominic Cruz had a layoff of four years. You know, my math was very incorrect. It was three. I apologize. Three and almost a half year layoff, right? Just wanted to throw that out there. That was bugging me for a while because I realized that later on during the fights, I'm like, oh man, I look like I can't do math more so than I already can do, you know? <laughs> Ridiculous, whatever. But um, I also said Bryce Mitchell was undefeated. He's actually 12 and one, so kill me now. Um, but yeah, no, dominant, man. Bryce Mitchell, what a monster. He won by decision and he had just a plethora of submission attempts from twister attempts, arm uh, submission attempts, Arm, um, arm triangle submission attempts. I was surprised that um, uh, that Rosa didn't tap and everything. Um, 
he just sort of kept continuing resisting these submissions and credit to him credit to where it's due um but a lot of these submissions i was pretty sure he was going to tap out and uh it was kind of a trend between the two fights um arm triangles attempts in this fight and then uh in this previous fight with smiling sam alvey there was a standing arm triangle attempt and it almost looked like he was going to tap out but he got out of it so impressive stuff but no um bryce mitchell incredible um the next fight was the uh it was vicente luque versus nico price right um and it was just that was a back and forth battle these guys really wanted it and uh they both went for it there were cuts, there were strikes thrown, there was just, it was a back and forth battle. And this was only the third fight in the night, but I was already like, this is fight of the night, this is it. For the time being, knowing later on, obviously, there was very, 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 very good uh, reason to believe that other fights would be fight of the night. And we will get to that later. Um, but uh, Vicente Luque and Nico Price delivered, and uh, it came by way of late KO in, the, um, in round three by uh, Vicente Luque. It was just a nasty hook that landed. And the way Nico Price's collapse was just brutal. You know, you went from watching these two, um, you know, these two fights that went to decision to just a brutal knockout late in the third round of this fight. So that was very interesting. And that was just like, respect to Vicente Luque. I thought it would be uh, earlier KO, but it came late round three. So there you go. Um, very impressive stuff. Then we got Carla Sparza fighting Michelle Watterson, and Carlos Barza was way more aggressive than Michelle Watterson. Michelle Watterson was great. I mean, she was great at keeping her distance and, you know, maintaining, she was trying to maintain distance from the majority of the fight, but Carlos Barza was great at just closing the distance, landing strikes, just pressuring her. I was really impressed. I was like, wow, this is, this is good stuff right here. Um, and uh, she did win by decision. It was, it was a really close one, but um, it's a little bit of weird judging going on, but she won. And uh, a little bit of a back and forth, like a little bit of... Um, decisive there a lot of people were um unsure with that fight but carla sparza won nonetheless much respect to her that was just you know very close decision um we'll see where this leads in the strawweight division she's building her case back up to be a contender so uh as i mentioned in the previous podcast that is something that she was already doing so now with this victory that certainly helps michelle watterson's a name and beating them just beating her just further escalates that um the next fight this one <laughs> Oh man, uh, Alexei Olenek uh, versus Fabricio Verdum. So I had originally said that Fabricio would win by kind of uh, decision. He would outpoint Fabricio or um, uh, Olenek. Man, that was not even remotely what happened. I was surprised. Uh, Alexei Olenek came out like a madman, just laying into Fabricio. Not with not with takedowns, not with submission attempts, but just with strikes. He came in here just throwing everything at him. It was crazy. For round one, Fabricio had no idea. He just had no answer for him. Round two, there was a, it was a bit more competitive. And there was even some takedowns here and there and some strikes back and on fourth. But round three is where Fabricio really, really sank it in and started to land more strikes. Nearly um, nearly submitted um, Olenek. He got him in this wicked Kimura lock. And it looked like he destroyed his arm. But Olenek survived and almost looked like he was talking to him during it. Almost like mocking him. Like, yeah, no. I'm not going to tap out. I, Even though there was... Oh, by the way, there's no audience, of course, in this crowd. So you would think that you would hear this. But no, I didn't hear a thing. Just craziness. Um, it got really close because while Vervrisa Verdum kind of was more competitive round two and definitely won round three, Olenek had still done enough to win the decision. So 
I was really happy to see that. I'm a big Olenek fan, and, um, you know, I was not expecting him to win. It was one of those things where you're, like, rooting for the underdogs. So it was cool to see him do way better than I expected. Um, but Fabrizio still did good. I think if this was a... Um, I think if this would had gone like four, like five rounds and everything instead of three, I think it would have gone uh, Verdum because Verdum was adjusting as the fight was going on, and Olnik was um, not as not really adjusting. He was kind of staying the same. Well, Verdum was adjusting to him and just picking him apart. So um, Olnik by decision. This next fight was a fun one, and I'm just I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, I can't believe this is just the main event, the prelims. But it was Donald Cerrone versus Anthony Pettis, and uh, it was a tactical battle. But then by like late round two and then late like and then latish in round three, they're really picking it up and just, you know, head kicks landed and strikes landed and just ex furious exchanges. And it was kind of one of those things where Cerrone was getting better as the fight was going on, but it was a little too late. And um, Pettis did win a decision, um, making him two in O oh, against Donald Cerrone. But I got the vibe that um, if this had gone two more rounds, I think Cerrone could have made a better case. Um that's a little bit harder to tell because both competitors were very, it was very competitive, a little bit different than the Verdum fight. The Verdum fight, I think it was very clear that if round four or five had been a thing, then he would have won. But in this fight, it looked like Cerrone was rallying and it was good to see. He didn't get blown out of the water. He was just really in there exchanging. And while Pettis got the better of him in exchanges, he was getting better and our Cerrone was getting better. And it was good to see him, man. Um, Cowboys never had a four fight losing streak and this would be his fourth um, consecutive loss, first four-fight losing streak he's had in his career. But if there's anything that we know about Cowboy, it's that he is a, you know, uh, love for the sport, love for combat, regardless of victories or losses. And he was always he was a sport in um, he's very classy in his loss and very respectful of Anthony Pettis, and that was really cool to see. So I think he'll be back, you know. But I do think if he man if he loses his next fight, especially depending how he looks. Because he lost this fight by decision, but he did look pretty good in, in it. Um, this might be retirement. It's really sad to say, but... Um, and this was at welterweight. I was surprised. I thought this would be a lightweight, but this is at welterweight. So, there you go. Um, yeah. And now we're moving on to the main card here. Greg Hardy... Um, Greg Hardy surprises again. Um, he fought Jorgen DeCastro and... Um, Jorgen was doing really good. He was just coming out firing and just like really swinging and Greg Hardy had decent head movement not gonna lie like he's you know he's improving every single fight and as much as I am rooting against this guy because of his domestic violence background he just always impresses with his ability to stay active and fighting and improve at every fight so it's 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 kind of a difficult thing you tune in to see a guy lose but he's just earning your respect every time he competes so it's one of those things I have to give credit where credit's due he adjusted as the fight went on and it seemed like Jorgen hurt his his leg his own leg when he was attempting leg kicks and um he slowed down and then greg hardy started to pick up the pace quite a bit and greg hardy's striking i didn't hate it did not hate it had great head movement landed some significant strikes and he rallied near the end and it became a uh decision win for greg hardy so impressive there you know what can i say the guy's really active and um you know it was funny at the end he kind of told joe rogan he's like i want to be on the joe rogan podcast and you know yeah, why not? Just have him on. It'd be, it would be an interesting, you know, listen, for sure. Um, but uh, at this point, what can I say? Greg Hardy just continues to impress. Um, we'll see who he fights next. Um, maybe a, Derek, a potential Derek Lewis versus Greg Hardy matchup. I mean, Derek Lewis high in the rankings, but Greg Hardy raise, rising in the rankings. And I'm sure Derek Lewis would love a shot at him. So potential fun matchup down the road. Um, yeah, that was a fun fight. 
Calvin Guitar versus Jeremy Stevens. This was the next fight in the main card, and just wow. Jeremy Stevens was, um, you know, Calvin Guitar has some very impressive striking, and um, this really came on display here. And you can really tell the difference between just decent strikers and just really efficient strikers on display when, like, you have, a, uh, you know, decent strikers can always kind of throw and exchange shots, but they still, you know, suffer a lot and everything. They, it's kind of like, they have to throw up they they'll as much as they'll throw punches they'll receive the same amount of punches and i feel like the difference between decent and efficient is efficient strikers will just get better as the fight goes on they're like picking up their opponent's rhythm and they're able to connect more and more and not at the cost of their own damage and um i feel like that's not to say jeremy stevens is a decent striker i think he's i think he's elite level but uh this is just to praise the skills of calvin uh calvin guitar and everything he's just a, an incredible striker he was really Jeremy Stevens was right in there in these exchanges, but as the fight carried on, Calvin Guitar was just, he started picking Jeremy Stevens apart, and he finished him in round two with a vicious, vicious elbow. Jeremy Stevens just, um, he was finished by it, no ground and pound, or actually there was some ground and pound after that, but, you know, it was just, I was going to say maybe not ground and pound wouldn't be necessary, but it was one of those things where just he got dropped, Calvin Guitar came on continued finished him and you look at Jeremy Stevens afterwards and he just looks so out of it and no disrespect to Jeremy Stevens just it was a great shot that landed and just you know it's kind of rough when you see someone get hurt and there's not a lot of noise in the background it emphasizes their suffering it's kind of it's brutal when there's crowd uh, crowds and fans cheering you could almost like deal with it better in a way it's like a group thing but now it's just like when it's silent it's such a different thing so i fell for jeremy stevens extra i was like oh man he's a gritty vet and it's it's you know it's one of those things but respect to him he you know he put up a great fight before the finish had occurred so calvin guitar though he uh you know i think he was ranked number nine before this fight so we'll see where he you know who he fights next um, there's a bunch of great fighters out in the division from the fight. Let's say Korean Zombie or Brian Ortega, Max Holloway, Alexander Volonovsky. I mean, you know, as he rises the ranks, these are all possible. And I think any smashes will be fun. I'm actually, out of all the fighters, I'm probably, he's the one I'm probably looking forward to the most, um, to fight next. Cause I wasn't super familiar with him before. And after seeing him fight tonight, I was like, okay, he is on my radar hundred percent. Featherweight division, super stacked. Um, speaking of chaos, the following fight, Francis Agano versus, um, uh, Rosenstruck, uh, Rosenstruck, and, um, this fight was over as quickly as we would, as quickly as it got started, it was over. It was over 19 seconds, just Francis Nagano just swinging for the fences, connecting, and Rosenstruck just landed, like, just completely, like, he looked like he, he was dead. It was scary. He just fell against the cage. Francis Gano came with these heavy shots and it's frightening to see. Again, with this silence, it emphasizes just this this craziness and or this um the damage done to people's bodies. And it was a quick finish. This this is a really good case for Francis to come back and fight Steve A or the winner of Steve A in DC um for the uh for the heavyweight title. And who's to say? Maybe striking's better now, maybe his wrestling's better now. I mean even though Stipe had decisively beaten him before, it was at a cost. He ate some heavy shots. I Just because he took heavy shots in the past does not always mean he can take heavy shots in the next fight. It's a very good chance that Francis could be world champion very soon. So, um, Very, very scary ending. But just another highlight real finish for Francis Ngannou. What can I say? You know, future world champion we have here. 
speaking of world champions, this was uh, this leads into our co-main event with Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz. Now, Dominic Cruz, as I mentioned, not a four-year layoff, but a three-and-a-half-year layoff. It's huge. Um, the only other person who has really come back and successfully done that MMA, I believe, was uh, George St. Pierre um, against Michael Bisping. Um, that was another one of those things before I was like, I can't think of anybody who uh, has had a long layoff that level and come back and won, and it was GSP. I was talking with a friend later, and it was it was GSP. Um, so that is a good case for being able to come back. And oh, by the way, GSP is inducted to the Hall of Fame, so that's amazing. That was super heartwarming to see. I was really happy to see that. GSP regarded in everyone's top five, top three, um, pound for pound greats. A lot of people regard him as the greatest of all time. And if he's not in your list, then you're not a fan. Truthfully, you got to understand the sport to understand that GSP is just an amazing sportsman, gentleman, world-class fighter, only is two losses, avenged them both, um, you know, an incredible champion, two weight, uh, two different weight classes, world champion, and huge draw, and what, what else can I say? Just he, he would outstrike strikers, outgrapple grapplers, just he had everything put together. And um, the fact he could come away after so long, come back and win a world title, Madison Square Garden, impressive stuff. So him getting into the Hall of Fame, heartwarming thing for all of us. Really happy to see that. 100% deserves it. Hall of Fames are built for athletes like George St. Pierre. And he's certainly welcomed there. But uh, Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz. This is for the Bantamweight title. This would be the first title defense Henry Cejudo would attempt. And, uh, of course, I was rooting for Cruz here. Cruz being out of the game for close to three and a half years. And I've always been a huge Dominic Cruz fan. I do like Henry Cejudo, but um, Cruz, I'm a big fan of his style, a big fan of his just, you know, there's no such thing as ring rust attitude and um, always overcoming the obstacles. And, um, you know, the fight was... Um, the fight was good and everything for the entirety that it lasted. It was... Uh, you know, it was competitive, but uh, there was a lot of leg kicks that were landed by Henry Cejudo. Dominic Cruz would retire some leg kicks, and there would be some training strikes and things of that nature. But it was looking like Henry Cejudo was still outpointing him, and it ultimately led to, um, near the end of round two, Henry Cejudo caught Dominic Cruz with a knee, and it dropped him. And that's a rare sight. Seeing Dominic Cruz cleanly hit is a rare sight. Seeing him drop is even rarer. And I was like, oh no, and... He started connecting with a lot of shots, and it, it was kind of a, it was a stoppage win. It was a uh, KO, TKO win for Henry Cejudo late in the second round, and it's kind of debatable. Dominic Cruz, certainly, he always wins and loses with class. Um, he gives praise to, you know, to the Lord and everything, and to his team, and to everybody, you know, but he does give his fair. He does give a fair and honest assessment of his performance and his opponent's uh, performance. And he goes, "Look, I mean, hats off to Henry Cejudo. I do believe that. Um, see, he when he was getting hit with shots, he was close to the end of this barrage. He was attempting to stand up, but I guess it wasn't as fluent enough to look like he was defending himself or trying to get out of that situation. So the fight was stopped. And in his mind, he was still actively trying to stand up, and he wasn't quite out of it. So the the loss is a little bit." You know, it will go down as a finish for Henry Cejudo, but it's one of those a little bit disputable. Um, Rewatching it, it's it's kind of hard to say it wasn't a fair stoppage. I mean, at the end of the day, a finish is when you're not accurately defending yourself. And Cruz had a lot of unanswered shots where he wasn't doing much as opposed to slowly standing up. So 
I respect Cruz, and I'm really, I was really sad to see him lose. You know, my heart goes out to Cruz, but you got to give pre uh, credit where credit is due. And Henry Cejudo successfully defending the flyweight belt and now the bantamweight belt, and um, with all his achievements, he announced his retirement. Now that was surprising. I, um, you know, we thought this would be like a retirement for Cruz, but now Cejudo said he was retiring, and I, I was really confused about that. There was speculation. After the Marlon Marias fight, excuse the yawn, just two in the morning, you know. Um, after the Marlon Marias fight, his most recent fight before this one, he said he wanted to get, get you know, start getting paid. Where, you know, fighters obviously get paid. He wanted to start making ridiculous money. Um, being that he's such a high-ranking, successful combat sports athlete. Unfortunately, there's a lot of interest that has to go into your pay. So if you're like Conor McGregor charismatic, you're going to be paid ridiculous. But if you're not as well recognized, not as well, you know, as popular, you could be the most dominant fighter and still not get paid a lot. Um, but he didn't, he, from what I know, he wasn't getting paid as much. So the idea is that he's either moving to another or MMA organization, or the rumor is he's going to be on Raw on Monday night. I don't know how I feel about any of the options. First things first, I like to see fighters who are dominant continue fighting. It's always a bummer when you see a lot of these like, fighters retire when um, as much as he's had a long combat sports history and wrestling and then, you know, going into MMA, his MMA career for all intents and purposes is not that long. Um, he hasn't had a lot of these fights compared to a lot of these other, you know, legends who've been fighting forever. And I'd like to see fighters go on and have longer careers. So it's, you know, it's always bittersweet to see someone who's younger and hasn't had a very extensively long career retire i still think is so much to offer the sport especially now that he's successfully defended his belts both both belts but um it is his decision he said he's done a lot that he's uh, wanted to accomplish and he wants to go spend time with his family and uh i hope he can financially you know we wish him the best and everything uh, as much again as much as i said i was sad to see Cruz go out that way um and it would have been fun to see a rematch down the road um well, at the end of the day, the athlete's bodies and health comes first, and he has demonstrated time and time again that he's a world-class fighter, and we give him the love and respect he deserves. Um, I don't feel great about him going to WWE. I, I've i mentioned in previous podcasts, I was a huge WWE fan growing up, um, but um, the thing is... I've fallen out of that love. I feel like WWE has gotten worse over the years, and that's just the simple fact of them trying to be PG and they're misusing characters. Because yes, it's scripted, but at the end of the day, knowing a movie is like it's it's like watching a movie, and one hundred percent it's fake. But that doesn't mean nothing matters. You still kind of want to see things play out in a creative, artistic way. So it's like when you're watching these characters wrestle, you don't want to see this really exciting character lose all the time, and that's. You know, it's a very basic trope I'm throwing out there, but that's kind of the, the tendency in wrestling, especially in recent years. You see a lot of these great characters just get buried, as they say it. They lose, and then they're just never heard from again. And it's a very political uh, form of enter entertainment where you're your own stuntman, and you have a very lack of, of um, creativity. At least in WWE, it's very it's known for being very creatively stifling. You're, you're not, you can have a, the best idea, and you have to run it by Vince McMahon, who's very, very old, and seemingly very out of touch of what wrestling should be or what what made it popular i mean he made it successful he made it to what it is but at some point maybe he should just move on and let younger people decide what is best 
And that's why other organizations like AEW are rising and competing really well because it's they're doing what WWE's not, and that's allowing more creative freedom for the wrestlers. And that's why more wrestlers are jumping over there. They're being treated better. They're allowing them more creative uh, control. And, you know, that's not what this podcast is about. I'm just giving you my my thoughts on the um, UFC 249, uh, you know, fights and everything in the event. But... Um, I'm just throwing out there that uh, I'm not a fan of MMA fighters going over to WWE. I think the only time I really liked it was when Ronda Rousey was still like a huge star and she went into WrestleMania and she, um, you know, put Stephanie McMahon in an arm bar and flipped Triple H. That was cool. I didn't like that she then lost some fights and then a few years later went back. It just felt so bizarre to me. And it was like, okay, you lost, uh, you, you know, lost a few fights in MMA, never owned up to them and then went to... Um, and then went to WWE and, you know, she's known for being unsafe and not working well with the talent. Um, there's a lot of weird stuff there. You know, I respect Ronda Rousey's accomplishments. She's a pioneer for female sports. It's just the fact that, um, you know, I'm a big fan of people taking honesty and taking, you know, losses respectfully, especially female MMA is a very young part of MMA in general. And she was known as a pioneer. And it's kind of sad to see a female pioneer like that who, when she loses to Holly Holm, essentially runs away from the responsibility of it and turns on the media, says the media's turned on her. And then with the loss of to Amanda Nunes um, doing the same exact thing, it was a bummer for me. Um, there's a lot of fantastic female MMA athletes. I just mentioned uh, Holly Holm and, and Amanda Nunes. Amazing. And they've lost tremendously too, but they've come back for it and owned up to it. So WWE's almost kind of been the staple of if your MMA career feels, you can kind of go there. Cain Velasquez in recent years has gone to WWE, and that was kind of like, that was really uncomfortable to watch. Brock Lesnar might be the only case to, um, uh, where he, you know, he was done. He was, he was a great fighter in MMA. Um, and then in WWE, he's always been talented. He's probably one of the only cases where I'm okay with it. I think Ken Shamrock kind of too, but that was like a long, long time ago. Um, and no disrespect to Cain Velasquez. So. I just knocked over everything on my desk. No disrespect to Cain Velasquez, right? Cain Velasquez, obviously a legend. It's just the fact that um, it was sad to see anyone kind of go to WWE because he had beaten Brock Lesnar in a real fight, and then they scripted him to lose in WWE, and I'm like, why are you going to do him like that? Um, but regardless, um, seeing him in WWE would not be a fan of. I'd rather him go into a different organization, get paid more, and cause kind of interpromotional wars. That would be exciting. Um, but we'll see. We'll see where Donna Cruz goes from here because... Uh, he doesn't know what he wants to do. He doesn't know if he wants to retire or what. So we'll have to see. But uh, let's lead to our main event. Justin Cage versus Tony Ferguson. I went into this fight thinking this would be a fight of the year. And it's certainly delivered. I, I, if this isn't fight of the year, I, I don't. I have no idea what could possibly live up to it. Tony Ferguson. I don't know how this man's human. The shots that Justin Cage was landing on him. When any, any one of these shots could knock out a normal man. He ate so many shots. It was just scary, especially with the lack of noise in the background, the lack of just audience. You could really hear these shots, and he was absorbing them and not even, you know, I mean, a leg kick, yeah, he would, like, lift his leg, but he would immediately just drop it and keep charging at him, and any hard shot, he would absorb it and keep continuing. This man's a monster. just kept asking myself, what is Tony Ferguson? This guy can receive so much damage and keep continuing. And Tony, he... You know, he was doing his uh, attempts to be competitive here and land strikes and land, you know, kicks and punches. And he even clipped Justin Gaethje in round two. And um, 
you know, but unfortunately, Justin Gaethje had just, um, you know, he was picking apart Tony Ferguson, and ultimately the fight got stopped late in round five. And believe you me when I say it was just, it was crazy to watch. It was just, the, the real testament to the fight was just the heart and the monsterish just focus of Tony Ferguson, just able to absorb all this damage and continue, just crazy. Couldn't believe it as I was watching, just could not believe it. And it led to this crazy finish. And all I could think about was Habib, you better run. <laughs> you know, Habib is a monster among men. But I mean, seeing the way Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje can go at it for five rounds, I think either one of them gives them trouble. And it would be very interesting to see. And it is bittersweet because I did want to see Tony Ferguson fight Justin Gaethje. That fight has been, or excuse me, Tony Ferguson fight Habib and Rakamadoff. That fight has been canceled now five times. And they're both, they were both at the time, uh, 12 fight win streaks and just all this craziness. And, you know, they were the ultimate rivals, just rivaling each other, knockouts, submissions, decisions, um, the win streaks, they fought similar people, they've dominated people, they've had so many similarities yet differences, and they're both just alphas in their own division who have never fought each other. It's just an impossibility. They had to, hasn't happened. And now Justin Gaethje had come in and essentially ended the hype for that um the fight can still happen but it's it's one of those things where they were both on such dominant streaks that that's that also added to it so now justin gaethje has the opportunity to go fight habib Nurmagomedov and unify the this was for the interim belt and then the, the he uh habib being the world champion the real one this is to unify both belts and i gotta say um Justin Gaethje is, I think, going to provide some serious problems for Habib. Habib has some amazing grappling that would just destroy any man. But seeing the heart and determination of both fighters, I, 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 Habib, all I can say is Habib needs to run. You know, this is, they're both threats to his, his, you know, his world title. And I mean that with almost respect to Habib. You know, I think Habib is a beast. It's just the fact that seeing how far these guys are willing to go and receive damage it's scary i'm like okay uh if i were the champion i'd be like i'm good <laughs> it's it's crazy and this kind of begs the question where do we go from here i don't think tony ferguson's done i think he'll be back he had a 12 fight win streak significant man he'll be back he could even come back and what if he beats justin gaethje that would redeem you know his loss who knows He's still being a who's who in the lightweight division. That doesn't take anything away. It took five rounds of him being beat lifeless. He didn't get, he didn't even stop fighting. He kept fighting. It was the referee had stepped in. So you imagine the level of monster and heart Tony Ferguson has. He'll be back 100%. 100% be back. Now the question is, where who will Tony Ferguson fight in his comeback fight? Because I know he'll be back. And Justin Gaethje, confident he'll fight Habib. So could it be a potential Justin Gaethje fighting Habib and Tony Ferguson fighting Conor McGregor? We'll have to see. After watching this, Conor McGregor needs to run too. I don't see how he can do very well against Justin or against, uh, against Tony. Those would be nightmare matchups for him. Lightweight is just looking super exciting. And it's just exciting to see where the future goes. And as much as I'm very sad to see the, the hype of that Super fight canceled um, with Habib and Tony. Um, it's one of those things, you know, the MMA gods giveth and the MMA gods take away. There was a time before the hype of that fight. There's times for after that, you know, as it's one of those things where if you can get excited for something, you can get excited for other things. So I'm taking it in stride. Um, you know, you have to roll with what happens and the decisions that happen in these nights. 
they're sacred and that's what happens. You know, you have to honor them and go as much as your favorite fighter loses, as much as I saw Dominic get finished, as much as I saw Tony get finished and, you know, I wanted to see both of them win. That's okay. Justin Gaethje was a better man. Henry Suda was the better man. That's just the way MMA rolls and it's a beautiful sport and we all love it. Um, UFC 249, an amazing card. All night we were seeing tweets live and seeing people talk about how even people who weren't into UFC were just tweeting out how they just wanted to watch sports and they were tuning into this. So I think the numbers are going to look really good for the prelims. It'd be interesting to see the pay-per-view with a lot of people out of work, but also a lot of people with having sports envy. So it'd be very exciting to see. Um, very, very happy I got to watch this tonight. It was amazing watching the first fight card since uh, this quarantine had happened. And uh, cannot wait now for, for more. This has just re-energized me and had an amazing night. So very thankful. Um, hope you guys got to watch UFC 249. If not, please check it out. It was an amazing fight card. Definitely worth the money. So until next time, uh, I'm going to go sleep for the next five days. And uh, I'm going to process what I just watched. So thank you for tuning in, guys. Have a good night.